All right, we have a quick little brief announcement here before episode six starts. Uh, we are now officially on iTunes. So the previous five episodes are already there. Plus, uh, this episode here, six, and all continuing episodes. And not only are we on iTunes, but one of my subscribers on my YouTube channel and uh, a friend of mine uh, said that she didn't have an iPhone. She has a Windows phone. And she said that once the iTunes feed was up, she contacted her Windows store and asked if they could add the Robin Everyone Loves the Drake podcast to the Windows phone store. So if you have a Windows phone or know somebody that uh, does, you can tell them to check out Robin Everyone Loves the Drake on the Windows phone as well. So without further ado, let's get into the first official launch on the internet and out in the stratosphere, or the Robin sphere, if you will, for episode six, Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake. Uh, here we go. You don't like the Drake? I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. Do you like the Drake? I love the Drake. Hello everyone, and welcome to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake, comic podcast. I'm your host, Rob Myers. This podcast is going to be taking a look at Tim Drake, my favorite Robin. We'll be taking a look at Tim's first appearance in Batman Year 3, that's Batman 436, and working our way through Tim's training all the way to Tim's ongoing Robin series that went 183 issues. So sit back and relax and find out why everyone loves the Drake. Good for them. Love the Drake. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake. I am your host, Rob Myers, and welcome for episode six. Uh, this first part, before we get into the actual show, Terrence is on this episode with me, and uh, the audio is a little trippy at times, and I've done the best uh, that I can to clean up uh, the uh, spots for Terrence. And uh, the reason I'm kind of stating this at first is that uh, when we recorded this, you know, uh, I'm in Ohio and Terrence is in South Carolina. So, of course, we're doing this through Skype. If you've listened to a lot of podcasts, you kind of figure if people have guests on, uh, that's kind of how we do it. Uh, Terrence was under a, a tornado warning um, or a severe thunderstorm warning. So it was kind of wreaking havoc a little bit. Uh, with his uh, audio, and you can kind of hear it in a few spots, so I kind of wanted to get that uh, out of the way. Hopefully it doesn't uh, taint your enjoyment of the uh, show. We had a really good discussion, and uh, what we normally do is whoever the guest that I have on, and when we do the synopsis, we usually do two synopsis as a show, normally I'll try to, is that I'll have the guest uh, record uh, the synopsis 
uh, clean, you know, at, at their home and kind of do it so we don't have to spend the time on the show reading through the synopsis. So uh, Terrence's portion is uh, crystal clear in there. Uh, there are a few audio issues I, I did want to point out. And so hopefully, uh, being that this is the first launch on uh, iTunes, uh, somebody isn't like, oh, you know, this episode's kind of... Uh, poor in audio a little bit. It's not horrible, but there are a few little hiccups uh, that you'll hear. And uh, I have a little bit at the end of this where uh, Terrence kind of has to uh, go uh, kind of uh, abruptly a little bit just because the uh, warning and the storm was getting, you know, a little bit more. So always safety first and uh, Batman second. Well, maybe Batman and safety first and second. So uh, we'll get into uh, the show and you'll be able to hear the quality in it uh, be just a, a little off. So again, uh, I apologize for it, uh, but uh, Terrence and I did not have the time to kind of go back in and redo it. Like I said, it's not horrible. There's just a few little hiccups and uh, his audio kind of wavers a little bit. So uh, I've done my best to clean up his uh, part of it. So uh, without further ado, uh, we'll get into our Skype conversation uh, for episode six. Robin, everyone loves the Drake, and I hope you enjoy the show. For uh, this second part of Lonely Place of Dying, we have uh, Terrence O'Neill back. Thanks for uh, uh, joining me again for uh, Lonely Place of Dying. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I enjoyed it so much last time. I um, I kind of had it in my head. I was like, all right, well, I'll do the beginning of Lonely Place of Dying, and then I'll let you take it over, and I don't want to step on your toes and that. I had so much fun, and then I remember you gave me carte blanche to come on whenever I wanted last time, so I'm like, I think I'm going to use it. I want to keep talking about this. So uh, you may regret that. You may want to go back and delete and edit all versions of the former podcast to get rid of that at some point, but um, I pulled my carte blanche card to get, to get back on this week, so I just want to say thanks for having me on, Jeff. Yeah. No problem at all. Yeah, and the whole Jeff thing, I think, will come out a little um, later. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm I'm eagerly happy to have you on uh, whenever you like it. I'll probably just kind of send you little things like, hey, I'm doing this. If you're like, yeah, that's cool, but whenever is fine with me. Um, well, since we kind of talked about Lonely Place of Dying and, you know, the whole beginning, we're, we're going to kind of go right into this. Uh, so we'll start it right off, and we'll hit right into the synopsis for 441 of Batman, Lonely Place of Dying. This is part three of five. Here's a synopsis.
441, A Lonely Place A-Dying, Part 3 of 5. The story, Parallel Lines. Written by Marv Wolfman, pencils by Jim Aparo, inks by Mike DiCarlo, letters by John Costanza. Uh, colorist is Adrian Roy, associate editor is Dan Rapsler, senior editor is Denny O'Neill, and the creator, Bob Kane, Bill Finger. Two-Face sits in his hideout, and Batman sits on top of a gargoyle across town. Both think to themselves how to lure the other. Two-Face wants to kill, and Batman wants to capture. But each has a hard time trying to figure out a way to lure the other where the other one won't see right through it. Strangely, both think of the same places to try to lure each other, but as they say, cut from the same cloth, just from parallel sections. Same, but different. Each of them has got the perfect trap for the other one. No matter what, it all ends tomorrow. Dick and Tim arrive at Wayne Manor. Tim takes no time in introducing himself to Alfred and can only imagine the stories Alfred could tell. Alfred asks Dick, what's going on? And he tells Alfred he knows about as much as he does right now. Dick asks Tim to get right to the point, and what does this have to do with him and how does he know, well, everything? Alfred, too, wants some answers and threatens to call Tim's parents, if he has any. Tim says he does, and that they travel a lot on business, and that he is on break from boarding school in Gotham. Tim sits down and says first things first, that his name is Tim Drake, and he recounts the day that he met Dick and Batman for the first time. It was also the day Dick's parents died. Tim shows Dick a photo from the circus. It's a picture of the Flying Graysons with the Drakes. Dick and Alfred gasp as they look at the photo. Both have seen this. The Drakes sent a copy of it to Wayne Manor shortly after Dick was adopted by Bruce. Tim said that he didn't remember much of the circus, but can't forget Dick or the Flying Graysons, and the special trick Dick said that he was going to do just for Tim. Two-Face looks at the radio to speak to him again. He hears the crime on the news about two twin actors that were kidnapped this evening. Two-Face knows this will bring out Batman. But then he hears about a $22 million cash prize at the Gemini Casino for a poker tournament. Did he make the wrong play? He can't change it now. Can he? Gordon calls Batman about the abduction, and Batman says this must be the work of Two-Face. But Batman too has laid a trap. Bruce Wayne is fronting money for the poker tournament. He tells Gordon that he has already laid the trap for Two-Face and tells Gordon to keep him up to date with info about the twins. Batman flies the Batcopter to the casino as planned. Back in Wayne Manor, Tim sits and tells Alfred and Dick about what he knows. He tells them about the nightmares he still has about the flying Graysons falling to their death. And in Tim's dream, the Graysons never land. They just keep falling forever. Tim apologizes for bringing up old feelings. Dick looks at Tim and states that this is nothing new. He could have read this anywhere. He wants to get to the rest of the info on what he knows and how he knows it. Tim recounts seeing Batman for the first time to come to speak to Dick at the circus. Batman wasn't a monster. He was more like a dark knight. Batman and Two-Face are both at their respective traps, but each of them now wonders if they should be at the others. How can Two-Face stay with the twins tied up to the bridge when $22 million are at the Gemini Club asking to be taken? And how can Batman stay at the casino when two twin boys' lives are in danger by the hands of a madman? Both men leave their respective traps and head to the other ones. Tim is telling the final pieces of the story to Dick and Alfred. 
Tim says that it all came together when he was once watching a TV broadcast of the local news of security cam footage of Batman and Robin taking down the Penguin. In the footage, they showed Robin doing a quadruple somersault into the back of Penguin. Tim remembered the ringmaster at the circus saying that there were only three people in the world that could do that stunt. It all made sense. Bruce Wayne took in Dick Grayson. About six months later, Robin shows up for the first time with Batman. He knew it. Bruce Wayne had to be Batman and Dick Grayson had to be Robin. Tim said it wasn't easy. They both covered their tracks very well, but he said the rest was easy from there. Dick leaves and goes to college, then Batman does not have a Robin for a few months, and then Nightwing makes his first appearance. Bruce then adopts a new ward, Jason Todd. A few months later, a new Robin. Then Jason's death. Again, no Robin. And Batman was seen as more brutal in the past few months. Tim says that he even used to fantasize about being Robin in his dreams. He even studied real hard and got straight A's, and started to work out himself. He knows what Dick meant to Bruce, and without a Robin, Batman is going off the deep end. Dick finally says, that's all well and good, but what does this have to do with him? Tim says, can't you see it? Batman needs you as Robin. Batman arrives at the twins' home, and Gordon and Batman look around for clues left by Two-Face. Batman quickly figures out that the twins are being held at the Hawk Bridge looking over the twin rivers. Twin parts of a bridge. Batman races to the bridge to find the boys tied up with the grenade strapped to each of them. Batman cuts them free and disposes of the grenade. As Batman is saving the boys' life, Two-Face is at the casino about to steal all the money and blows the bank door vaults clean off its hinges. Hoping that Batman met a similar fate at the bridge. But Two-Face just can't take the money. He must flip the coin to do so. Pulls the coin out and flips it in the air. Dick and Alfred and Tim walk through Wayne Manor. Dick tells Tim, you just can't go back to being 13 again. Dick says that Tim's right. He does need help. If he'll accept the help, that is. Dick says it's time for Tim to see what's downstairs. The three of them walk and enter into the Batcave. Tim can hardly believe his eyes looking around at all the computers and trophies. Dick stands in front of the Robin costume case, Jason's Robin costume, stating that you can never go back home, and in a few minutes he has changed into his Nightwing costume. Tim says, don't you understand? He doesn't need Nightwing. He needs Robin. Doesn't anyone understand? Alfred says, perhaps Dick understands profoundly, young sir. Perhaps that's why Dick brought you here. On top of the gargoyle again, the weight of what Batman is doing is catching up to him. Two-Face got away because he's been going at this alone. He can't hide from Jason's death anymore. But what can he do about it? In Two-Face's hideout, the coin did not allow him to take the money from the casino. And Batman saved the twins. He demands the voice in the radio speak to him. Finally, it does. It says, get ready, old buddy. It's time to kill the bat. And knows exactly how to do it. All right, well, that was a synopsis for 441 of Batman, the third part of The Lonely Place of Dying. And uh, I probably didn't say at the beginning of it, but we're going to cover two issues here. It'll be Batman 441 and uh, the new Titans, the new Titans 61. I keep wanting to say the new Teen Titans because the Titans just keeps changing its title over and over again. But it'll be uh, 61. Hey, I I bet you – sorry to interrupt. I bet you if you ask most Batman fans, even hardcore Batman fans – which Titans title was in a lonely place of dying that have trouble coming up with the new Titans. They might have, you know, teen Titans. I, I don't even know if I could have done it necessarily. There's been so many changes in the Titans 
Well, even for a while when uh, I was missing, I just bought uh, the new Titan. So, yeah, I want to keep saying teen, uh, 61 uh, late last year. So I didn't have it. I had the trade paperback, so I was able to read it. But I thought, you know, I at least want to have all the issues. And trying to find out in a couple different comic book stores where they were categorizing the Titans. Were they doing it, you know, actually grammatically correct and alphabetizing? Or were they just <laughs> yeah. lumping it in with the Titans in general. So that was, it was kind of a chore to try and track that down. So um, I actually found uh, this issue in the new teen or teen Titans. (laughs) I found it in a Titans place somewhere. (laughs) I feel like we're going to snap into like Pulp Fiction. Say Titans one more time. Say Titans. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) One more time. Um, We talked about this before, um, that I would like to think I knew who Two-Face was before this, but I probably didn't. Um, And I like how this book, when it's uh, in 441, how uh, when we're dealing with uh, Batman and Two-Face, on quite a few of the panels, uh, everything is mirrored uh, to each other. Um, on pages two and three, uh, the panel layout is exactly the same, but in opposite mirror for Batman and Two-Face. Uh, they have about the same amount of dialogue, but the panel layout I thought was uh, really pretty cool. I didn't know if I noticed that back when I was 16 years old, but looking at it now, I thought it was a nice artistic touch that they uh, tried to do that as much as they could as long as we were dealing with Batman and Two-Face. Uh, how did you like the the layout of this book once Two-Face arrives. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, I, I really gave, like, the the psychology of how they both think and how they're both, like, almost two sides of a coin, the good, the evil, trying to figure figure each other out. I liked it because it's this old-fashioned, just kind of villain, how do I kill Batman, but I've got to do it in a in a two motif. I can't just, you know, blow him up. It's got to be two, and it's, i got to kill him. It's, you know, I... I'm, I'm probably a little critical of the whole Scott Snyder, the Joker's in love with Batman. And, you know, if this was written by Scott Snyder, it would be all <laughs> two-faced. <laughs> I have to prove that I'm worthy of Batman and all this stuff. It's just straight up, I want to kill this guy, but I've got to do it in a clever way. And, uh, and I, I really like that. That was refreshing to <laughs> have that. And um, what I really like is, after reading so many comics and, and series, part three of a, a five- or a six-parter, could, could really drag it down. Could really kind of be slow. You could they could have really started this out with like three or four pages of just recap of what we read in the other um, books, which just grind everything to a halt when you're reading it. Like trade pack, paperback, and this doesn't. This just starts right off with fresh stuff, right off with Two Face Batman, the the mirror of what they are each thinking, trying to outsmart each other, and you don't really get the recap until page five where um, Dick and Tim kind of recap it to Alfred, and it kind of flows because they needed to fill Alfred in on it, so it's kind of a natural recap. So I really, really like the opening of this, this book. Yeah, yeah, I just – I thought it was – it was at least fresh to me with a little comic villainous that I had originally reading. It was just like Joker, Penguin, but getting Two-Face and seeing that um, – Everything is in twos of some type. I thought, well, that's going to be a, a, a real crutch for this villain to use, but it's it's done so well that even though, okay, Two-Face, it's in what patterns? And just like you said, trying to almost be the yin and the yang of each other. And uh, I think Marv Wolfman just does a, a really good job with this. If we remember from uh, Batman Year 3 when 
Dick is brought to Wayne Manor for the first time. It's uh, on page, I need to make the page right, page five when Tim uh, gets to come to Wayne Manor. It's almost kind of the, the same thing. Uh, Dick bringing Tim into Wayne Manor, almost like Bruce brought Dick in. And it, some of the conversations are, are kind of the same a little bit. I thought that was a, a nice little nod. But uh, Tim is just as, you know, eager to be in Wayne Manor and, you know, has had the leg up on Dick at his age that so he knows who who Batman is. And um, I, I love the kind of the retelling of, okay, how do you know all this stuff? And Tim pulls out the photo of the uh, flying Graysons that he uh, was in a picture of. And this was something that I don't know if you did this, but once I saw Tim hold this picture, I was like, where have I seen this before? So it was kind of going back through the couple of back issues I had at the time to find uh, this uh, out. And I was like, oh, my gosh, it, he's the little boy in the circus. And uh, it was one that I did not see coming. And I would probably think now I could probably figure it out. But that was just such a cool thing to know that the kid at the circus that witnessed uh, Dick Grayson's uh, parents dying could put this whole thing together. And I just like how this whole thing uh is just brought out in the moments, a uh, couple little moments that Dick has with him and kind of rubbing his head and say, you know, be good now. And uh, Dick's kind of realizing that uh, Tim has a connection with his, on some level. How was this uh, reveal uh, for you when you read it the first time or even now? Does it, does it still feel like this really cool moment? Yeah, I thought it was a really cool mo- mo- uh, moment. Sorry. Um, yeah, I geek out all the time with, like, the little stuff where they, they throw back to something coming out. And that picture from year three is awesome. It's like even in, in movie Batman um, Forever, when uh, Bruce Wayne tells, you know, Dick Grayson, well, you know, they'll be halfway to Metropolis by now or something. I'm like, Metropolis? <laughs> I, just those little things, I geek out. So this, I, I, I liked it. And I thought it was a really great way for Tim to figure out who Bruce Wayne and Batman really was because it, he needed to use his intelligence. He needed to remember key pieces of information, like that he was the only performer that could do was the quadruple somersault. Yet he also had to be lucky enough to have been at the right place at the right time. He had to have been at the circus the night, you know, uh, the Graysons were killed. And he had to have watched the TV and seen Robin do that. Because the problem is somebody figuring out Batman's identity it's either one of, oh, uh, that's impossible. You'd never figure that out. Or two, well, gee, wouldn't everybody figure that out? And this kind <laughs> of it's did it well that, no, it's not impossible. It's, it's logical that he figured it out. But no, not everybody would because not everybody was sitting there the night of the Flying Grayson. And, and not everybody was watching TV at that time and put the two and two together. So I really liked it. And what, reading it again, what um, really impressed me was how they got Tim's character right away. When he meets uh, Alfred, he says to him, Tim, and he says, Mr. Pennyworth, gosh, I was really hoping we'd meet. I know you're Batman's confidant, and I've dreamed about the stories you can tell. So he's respectful, but yet he's still like, hey, I know who you are. Like, it, it, it's, it's a, I, I really like that quote. Like, he, you know, he's not being arrogant or bratty, but yet he's still like got that, hey, I know who you are. Like, I, I'm in on this here. And so everything about this is great, except for the panel where uh, Dick Grayson refers to Tim as Jeff. Other than that. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I did like that. I was kind of like, uh, 
okay, Tim has just proved to be a better detective and knows who you are, and you just refer to him as Jeff. It was kind of like, uh, that's just like you're meeting your idol or your favorite baseball player, and they go, okay, have a nice time, Bradley. And you're like, my name's Rob. That's okay. See you later, Bradley. No. (laughs) Now, I don't know if you saw this, but in uh, Batman uh, issue 445, um, it's actually mentioned in the letters column, uh, one of the letters, a guy named Matt Reed from Lewisburg, PA, wrote, Dear Bat Brains, you goofed in Batman 441, page 14, panel 5, Dick Grayson called Tim Drake Jeff. And so Denny O'Neill's response was, uh, actually, his full name is Timothy Jeff Drake. Not buying it, huh? Okay, it was a mistake. Actually, for, for real this time, for a while, the new Robin civilian name was going to be Jeff until we all changed our minds. Not that we all share one mind. Don't you just love these behind-the-scenes secrets? So we could have had Jeff Drake, but we've got Jeff Drake. (laughs) A little editorial note right here as I'm editing the podcast. You could probably hear me when Terrence is talking about Jeff. I I don't quite kind of understand what he's talking about, and I kind of go along with it. Uh, For a very long time, after I'd collected all these issues, I'd bought the trade paperback, and the trade paperback is the only thing that I've ever uh, continually read. I hadn't pulled out my actual issues until I started doing this podcast. And uh, this particular story, I was just continuing just to read through the trade paperback. So the uh, part that the person that wrote the letter uh, here that Terrence is talking about, and uh, on page 14, if you have your uh, Lonely Place of Dying, Batman issue 441, it's uh, page 14, panel 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, make sure I have that right. It does say the caption reads, Jeff, what does this have to do with anything? In the trade paperback, they fixed that. Uh, Same panel, same count. It says, Tim, what does this have to do with anything? So uh, I half wonder if uh, Denny O'Neill was uh, serious about this. Like, oh, we kind of thought we'd uh, call him Jeff. Or if they looked at it and went, oh, crap, we better fix that. Or they had enough flack about it when it came out into a trade paperback. They did go back and... uh, make that correction to actually call him Tim. So um, I had not read uh, the single issue until the podcast. So I kind of wanted to throw that out there. And uh, as I was listening to the edit of it, I w- pulled out the two uh, books, the trade paperback in this issue. And I was like, huh, I do see that there. So sorry, Terrence, I uh, now know what you're talking about, but I had not pulled this issue out in 20 some odd years. So we'll get back into the show. Um, did, did you ever hear... Because reading up on this, I heard a rumor that Tim Drake was named after Tim Burton. Did you ever hear that? Or I, I, I had heard the same thing. Uh, I don't. I wish I could remember where I read that. It, it was probably in some type of uh, magazine, Wizard, or something like that. But I thought with the popularity of the '89 uh, movie that that was the nod to uh, Tim Burton. Now I, I don't have anything to put that up there but that's nice that i've heard now a second person say they've heard the same thing so yeah i've only heard it on like i guess like fan sites or secondhand i've never heard any of the creators actually say that i i don't know how you feel about that but i hope that is not true because i've never really heard tim burton totally bash robin but he's very dismissive of robin if you if you hear the behind the scenes he's always kind of like ah we didn't really need robin well well we talked about it but we dropped the idea quick and no one seemed to mind. Like, so he's, he's never really come out, at least I've heard him say, yeah, Robin is stupid. But he's also very quick to say, yeah, you know, we didn't, we 
they didn't really need that. It wouldn't have worked in a movie, kind of. So I, I hope it's not, but it, it wouldn't bother me either way. Yeah, I, I, I'm in the same boat. Um, I do have the uh, newest version of um, on Blu-ray of Batman, uh, the 89 film, and they have the animatics of the uh, Robin scene that they would have possibly done where the Joker's like on horseback and uh, riding through a circus and that's what causes the accident uh, for uh, Dick's parents. So that was like, I think it's like a little two-minute scene. If you have the DVD, you can look at the bonus features and I think it uh, should be on there. But uh, it, it seemed a little odd that, wow, I, at least it was talked about in the 89 film and it went as far as to get like a crude uh, animatic. I think it was, instead of being like a computer generated, it was more of like uh, sketches that were filmed really fast to kind of show you what they might have wanted to do. And I guess that was supposed to take place uh, in the, uh, before the, right before the cathedral, that the Joker would be, would have left off his parade float, got on a horse, and then somehow got into a circus. So, like, Tim Burton even says something, it just seemed really hard to try and fit all that. So they said, eh. You know, kind of that same comment about Robin and thought, well, maybe we'll do it in the second movie, and they just scrapped the idea altogether. He's glad that when Robin did make his appearance, it was in Batman Forever, and I'm kind of glad Tim Burton didn't get his hand on it, because I think at one point he wanted one of the Waynes brothers to be Dick Grayson. Yeah, that's what I had heard. I I, I think Damien, I think it was Damien Wayne. Um, yeah. Wayans, or Damien Wayne, Damien Wayne. I'm getting <laughs> all confused here. Yeah. I don't know how far it went in the casting or if they. I'd love to see if there was a, um, I don't even know if they made a costume, if they ever screen test the costume, but um, that would be cool to see if it was out there somewhere. Uh, we're going to get off on a quick little tangent. We were talking about, uh, you know, if there was a Robin thing. A, a few years back, uh, they had released uh, footage of Nicolas Cage uh, in his Superman costume from the ill-fated, you know, Kevin Smith written uh, Superman Lives or something like that. So... You know, who knows what's in Hollywood that somebody had a role for 30 seconds, tested it. So maybe the brother out there in a Robin outfit, but maybe we'll never know. <laughs> yeah, that'll be cool if that leaks one day. But, yeah, I I think this is a, a really solid issue, and I like that they make references back to year three and kind of tie the whole story together. Um, and then going into pages 12 and 13, we're back to uh, the duality of uh, Batman and Two-Face and uh, both of them still figuring out the plot uh, of, you know, what Two-Face is going to do and how Two-Face is going to kill Batman. And like you had mentioned of uh, Tim figuring uh, this out, and this always kind of seemed kind of cool that, you know, Tim's on, uh, I believe it's, it's, the ink is so bad on my book, page 14, uh, where Tim is playing with his little uh, toy truck and the TV's on. Like, there just happens to be a camera crew camera crew in a warehouse to film, you know, the penguin doing something and catch uh, – I don't think that would have probably happened, but this is the uh, scene where Tim recalls of seeing uh, Dick do the quadruple uh, backflip somersault, and then uh, the camera catches Dick doing the very same thing and landing into the penguin. And this is how Tim Drake figures out who uh, Batman and uh, Robin are. And the cool thing I liked about this as Tim was telling it – that the nightmares that Dick must have about his parents, Tim was having those same nightmares. And he says, you know, he sees Dick's parents fall, but they never land. Like, he's just having this 
you know, recurring dream uh, over and over again. So uh, that death, I'm, I would imagine this uh, kid, you, you go to a circus and you see, you know, a horrible accident like this, that it affected him as well. So I think the, the big brother, little brother relationship of Dick and Tim is starting to get early stages in here. I thought that was kind of a nice touch that um, Tim can can sympathize on at least a psychological level with Dick and say, I, I know how you feel because I, I can kind of on a parallel uh, plane feel this, the same way. I just I thought that was just beautifully written. Yeah, I agree. I like the way how like Batman kind of inspires people out there that if he would inspire Tim to want to become a hero, but yet at the same time, you know, it's, it's, it's not just, Oh look, he's awesome. He would have nightmares. He would deal with those kinds of things. Um, and I never noticed it till right now. Yeah. That I think the camera crew that had to be in the warehouse because one of the scenes is right over Robin's shoulder. And then the other scene is like right up on the penguin. So the camera had have been like survival style. You could, you could easily say that it, imagination or the, the remembrance of a young child so maybe it's not supposed to be 100 accurate so uh i'll give him a pass but uh yeah i i, I really like this it, it kind of reminded me too in um hush I, I really like hush and there's one scene where bruce wayne is a kid and his father takes him to gotham city and they see the green lantern alan scott and he just mm-hmm. kind of like flies by overhead and it's it's, it's a little different armor it's watercolor by um uh, Jim Lee, and that is one of my favorite panels of all time in any comic. I love that scene. And I even, I think I heard Jim Lee, maybe been on Batman or Batman, and say he wasn't too happy with his watercolors or something. But uh, it, it reminds me a little bit of that. I like the idea of heroes inspiring other heroes and inspiring people. And, you know, so often they, they want to bash Batman and say, you know, do the story of, well, these crazy villains wouldn't exist if it wasn't for you, so you made the city worse. Which, you know, to me is just, I always think that's nonsense. So I, I like the idea of him actually making things better and inspiring good people. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I, I like that it's, that's also that Tim is seeing that, you know, he's getting inspired by Batman, but he's also equally inspired uh, by Nightwing. And uh, Tim's the cheerleader uh, through this whole book of, you know, the importance of a Robin. We won't get that quite in this book. I just liked that uh, Tim is the, you know, the cheerleader for uh, Dick in this, that, you know, uh, Batman is having problems. And even as they're kind of, uh, the three of them are talking about how how Tim knows what he knows, they'll kind of steadfast in the, okay, you know, you've got to go suit up and Batman needs you, but um, that won't be until 61 of uh, Teen Titans, but saying, you know, he needs Robin. And then one of my favorite panels in this uh, book, Tim getting uh, to go into the Batcave and uh, still just being uh, surprised by this. I spoke too soon. I thought it was in the last page, but, uh, Dick standing in front of the Robin costume, and you kind of get this really cool, like, not really a silhouette, but the reflection of Dick's face and then the Robin's costume, and basically saying, you know, you, you can't go home again. And there is uh, Dick standing in his Nightwing outfit. And one of my favorite lines out of this whole book that, um, as much as I was thinking, oh, Nightwing, don't become this, or, you know, Dick, don't become this silly Nightwing character, is. Uh, Tim saying, you know, doesn't anyone understand? And Alfred says, perhaps, young man, perhaps Master Dick understands uh, profoundly. And perhaps that's why he brought you here. 
and my 15-year-old mind, I know for a fact, just went, this kid's going to become Robin. So uh, I, I had called it, uh, at least at this point, you know, that uh, Tim's going to uh, become Robin. Did you uh, pick up on that when you read it for the first time, or uh, were you still kind of surprised uh, all the way through? I can't remember totally if I had maybe heard something about that or not, but I do believe I, I had it in mind that this that he would become Robin or or at least um, some kind of Robin. But I always wonder in this reading it, and I don't know if it's ever explained the psychology of it, but how much is Tim there to say, Dick, you need to be Robin again, and how much in the back of his mind is thinking, but if you don't want to do it, I know someone else who does, you know, like, <laughs> you know, um, where here, obviously, Dick is kind of thinking at least a little bit of, you know, I think Tim could be the, the next Robin. But, you know, if it was me, I would have been totally like, you know, but if you want, I'll, I'll do it. I can, I can be it. You know, I might fit that costume. So, uh, yeah, this is definitely where it was. It's actually what makes this such a great uh, series or great story is that it's ramping up. You know, it's, it's a lot of issue three, like I said in the beginning, grind to a halt, and it's just like a recap. This is it's, it's revving up. And what's really great is this voice on the radio with Two Face is not even explained in A Lonely Place of Dying. It's like setting up another story arc to come. So it's it's really, you know, so except for the Jeff comment, and except for possibly. The ages, if you start doing the math and try to figure out how old was Tim, how old is Dick, it, the, the math doesn't quite work. In fact, in issue um, 445, there's a whole letter column where somebody went on a rant about their ages and stuff. But that I can overlook a little bit. That's always been comics. The years never add up. It never flows like it does. If you're going to get caught up on years and ages, you, you shouldn't read them. They're not for you. You know, you just got to go with it. So, uh, uh, other than that, I, I would say it's, it's almost a, a perfect issue, especially because you've got these two storylines going on. You're interested in both of them. And at the end of it, it's ramped up, but it's not resolved. Two faces still out there. Batman's still out there. Nightwing, Robin, everything just leads you to the next issue. So, yeah, I, I, that was probably more than your, your uh, question, which was, did I know it'd be Robin? And my answer is, I think so. <laughs> now you you summed that up uh, perfectly. Um, I, I don't even think we need to say uh, anything else other than uh, to be continued in the new Titans sixty one. I said it right there. So at this stage in the game, we're going to go right into uh, the new Titans sixty one, and we'll let uh, Terrence take over the synopsis right now. New Titans number sixty one, cover date December nineteen eighty nine. Price U.S. $1.75, Canada $2.25, and U.K. £1. This is A Lonely Place of Dying Part 4, Going Home. Written and co-plotters Marv Wolfman and George Perez. Finishing pencils Tom Grummet, Bob McLean, embellisher John Costanza, letterer Andrina Roy, colorists Jonathan Peterson, associate editor, and Mike Carlin, editor. This issue starts out in the Bat Cave. Extended out before us is the Robin costume. It's as if we ourselves are holding it up to Dick Grayson, and we hear the words, 
Batman needs a Robin. This angers Dick, who quickly turns around in his Nightwing costume, snatches the Robin costume out of our hands, really Tim Drake's hands, and says that he is a man, Robin is a boy, he is now Nightwing, and he cannot go back to being Robin. This angers Tim Drake and shocks him, as he cannot understand why Dick would speed away. As Dick's motorcycle goes through the tunnels of the Batcave, Tim, with tears in his eyes, screams, I was only thinking of the team, of what Batman and Robin meant. Tears pouring down his eyes, he looks to Alfred, and Alfred puts his hands on his shoulder, comforting him, saying that they know what's best. Next we see the Titans, searching frantically for Dick. Raven is looking for him on the computer when a phone call comes in. We, the reader, knows that it's Batman, but no one else does. When Batman finds out that Dick Grayson is not among the Titans, a squeal from an internet modem is heard overhead, piercing. No one's quite sure what it is but it calls all of the Titans into action. Cyborg, Starfire, Wonder Girl, Jericho, Arsenal, they all spring into action. They search the city desperately looking for Dick but cannot find him. Cyborg traces the call to a telephone pole but sees that whoever made this call was good. He was able to speed down onto a highway where his tracks were lost forever. Jericho puts things together a little bit better and realizes that the squeal was probably a code which he can put on a micro disc perfect for Nightwing. Raven, after Jericho signs him the secret code, knows that she must use her powers to locate Dick Grayson. Dick Grayson is atop the rooftop of Gotham City Police, the bat Klieg light shining in the sky. But as Commissioner Gordon tells him, many nights Batman does not come. This seems to be one of those nights when in a puff of black smoke appears Raven with the microcomputer disc. She gives it to Dick Grayson who quickly puts it into his wristband computer. Shocked that this was probably from Batman, Raven leaves him to deal with this on his own. Before Commissioner Gordon knows it, he turns around only to find that Nightwing has also disappeared on him just the way Batman usually does. Next we see that Nightwing checks in with Alfred and Tim, but lets him know that he must do this on, this on his own. Tim and Alfred begin to learn about each other and talk about the family. And Alfred says one of the most important lines describing Bruce, I believe Master Bruce is almost as obsessed about family as he is about preventing crime. Dick Grayson, riding in his motorcycle, starts to piece together all the clues that we've been told about in Batman 440 and 441. He's piecing together now all of Two-Face's crimes and realizes that if you plot Two-Face's crimes on a map of Gotham City, it will spell out the Roman numeral IV, as in 4. This leads him to Two-Face's headquarters where Batman is already waiting for him. Batman, who can't come to grips with telling Dick that he needs his help, simply stops himself and says, I could use your help. He tells Dick that Nightwing, uh, tells Dick as Nightwing that Two-Face will not be expecting him and that Nightwing should go around back while Batman crashes through the front of the building. As Batman enters inside the building, he realizes that things are not what they seem. Everything that should be on the floor is on the ceiling, and everything that should be on the ceiling is on the floor. It is an upside-down house. He quickly finds a coin of Two-Face, a double, for this one is scarred on both sides. Not a good sign for Batman. Meanwhile, 
Dick sneaks into the basement but cannot find a way upstairs to join Batman. He radios to Tim and Alfred back in the Batcave his position, but will it be too late? Because before they know it, a secret panel opens up revealing Two-Face. Two-Face, who loves two themed crimes, cannot be happier, killing two birds with one stone, Nightwing and Batman. He causes an explosion which causes the first floor to cave into the basement. Both Batman and Nightwing are pinned under rubble and debris. Two-Face, happy with himself, knows that now is his chance to kill Batman and Nightwing. Back in Gotham's stately Wayne Manor, they receive a call from Dick Grayson. It is his signal, but it ends abruptly. They know something's happened. Something's danger. All they've got is the coordinates. Sitting on the table in the back cave is the Robin uniform. Tim knows he must do something. As he says, Alfred, come on. We have got to do something. We see the Robin costume laying on the table. Will Tim put on the costume? Will Tim become the new Robin? We will find out in part five. About time you showed up. What? No hellos? No how are yous? You've made quite a name for yourself in New York. Hey, I was taught by the best. So what's up? I've been hunting Two-Face for days. All my clues lead to that building down below. I think Two-Face may be waiting for me. No, I mean, why did you contact me? I know that Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson are still on speaking terms, but I figured when I gave up my role as Robin, I'd never work with Batman again. Especially after what happened to Jason Todd. Even you can go too far, Dick. How far? Over the edge? <laughs> like you are? That's enough. You're not here to talk. You're here to help me with Two-Face. I need... I could use your help. I'm here, so do we go in together? No, I'll go in the front. You take the rear entrance. Why not let me take the direct route and throw him for a loop? He knows you're coming. Which is why you act as backup. But... Do as I say. He's not invulnerable. He's rushing headlong into danger. Ignoring every rule he taught me, he's going to get himself killed. Here we go. Two entrances to the back. Figures, this basement window or an old coal chute. I've gotten too big for the coal chute, so I'll just jimmy the window and... In we go. Mm. Old boxes. Spider webs. <coughs> oh, plenty of dust. Yep, it's a basement, all right. That's about all it is. Better see how Bruce is doing. Batman, do you read me? Loud and clear, Robin. <clears throat> Nightwing, report. Nobody down here but me and the roaches. You find anything? You're not going to believe this. Two-Face has turned the contents of this building upside down. Couches, lamps, everything nailed to the ceiling. Stucco on the floors. A clue, maybe? But to what? Two views, two perspectives on things? What's he trying to say? Two-Face knew I was on his trail. Why change all of it? Wait a minute. What? The house is turned over upside down. Yeah, so? That makes the basement the second floor. My exit just sealed itself up. Robin, get out of there. Too late for both of you. Two-Face, I thought it would take Batman a while to figure out my clues. How much better that it took two of you. And what a real pleasure to kill two birds with one bomb. All right, we're back, and... Uh... We are into part four of five of uh, the lonely place, bleh, lonely place <laughs> of dying. If I can't even uh, talk right, um, 
this is hands down. Uh, we haven't even finished uh, this yet, but this is my uh, island reading. If I'm on a deserted island or if I go to a nice uh, secluded beach and I want some reading material, I take this trade paper back with me everywhere. So, um, uh, again, this is uh, the Prestige. I believe I'm saying that right. Uh, I always kind of wondered, why does the new Titans book look so much better than the Batman book. And then I realized I paid a little bit more for this book, so the paper quality is a little bit better. Um, we, we didn't talk about it in 441. I, I loved the art. The art through all of this is really consistent. Um, and George Perez is on kind of both sides of it and doing some art on both. And sometimes during a crossover, you'll get art that really doesn't flow really well. And um, Sometimes you can have really great art in a crappy story, and you'll kind of forgive it because of the art. But the the story could be really good, and if it's horrible art, sometimes I have a really hard time uh, making it through a book. And I, I love that they, they picked the right set of artists that really complemented each other. And, uh, you know, you can't go wrong with George Perez. I think he could draw a stick figure, and there would be so much detail in a stick figure. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, we do get um, a tiny little bit of a flashback in this where, um, you know, in the last book, uh, Tim is already – or uh, Nightwing is already kind of driven out of the cage and they cut our cage cave, and uh, they kind of expound on it a little bit here. This is uh, Dick uh, kind of getting a little frustrated with Tim and just basically telling him, you know, I, I can't go back. I, you know, I, I can't take two steps backwards. Um, and and lead and lead that life. He's got to go out and do it on his own and um, have a little uh, shot on page three of Tim crying here and uh, Tim explaining, you know, why why Batman needs a Robin, what what that's going to do for him, and that's that's where the healing is going to happen. And you know, nobody seems to understand that, but I get the feeling that Alfred Alfred's the enabler. I think for all of the Robins, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's like, oh, nobody understands. Well, let's see if you can fit into this costume, <laughs> you yeah. know, kind of thing. And this issue uh, kind of did what we said we didn't like in certain issues, but. Uh, where the Titans really start kind of making an appearance. And I, I'm glad it happened in the second part of the Titans book that uh, there was enough of the Titans in the first book that I was like, okay, who, who are these people? I, I kind of want to see them. And now they're really starting to kind of play a role in this particular book. Um, and, and the story still moves forward, but it, they're kind of in their Titan mode. Uh, again, I think this is our first experience with Titans for both of us. Uh, how did uh, this book feel for you as far as, uh, the Batman story being in a Titans book, and there was um, more Titans than we had previously. Yeah, the Titans, I I remember reading this and not really getting them. And even now reading it again, I'm, I just read it again right before the, we recorded, and I still kind of didn't get them. I, I was not a huge Titans reader. Um, they've changed them so often and, and changed um, – lineups and stories and origins that I, I this version i don't really know um i do love the opening of this book this might have one of the best opening panels i've ever seen because as a 12 13 14 year old boy whatever i was reading this you know you you're, you're, think of yourself as tim drake you see it in that and this is like his point of view it's that you're seeing what he's seeing holding the robin costume up holding it up and so it's almost like you're you're seeing his eyes. It's almost like they're your hands holding the Robin costume. You're the one telling 
stick to put it back on, which I always wonder, would it have fit? Like, I, you talked about <laughs> having that picture out there of Damian Wayne in the Robin costume. I'd like to see Nick in this costume just not fit it. You know, like, it, it, I think it's grown a little in the last few years. It, it may not fit, but um, only enough, it probably would fit him. Um, and then uh, after the, the little uh, Batcave scene, you get to Raven. And, yeah, I was confused, you know, because Cyborg calls her a witch at one time, and he's hanging out with these kids that someone else tells them they're, they're a good role model. You, you see people for one one frame, and then you don't see them again. So, yeah, it was it was very confusing. And um, in, in real life, you know, this is comic books, but in real life it makes no sense for Dick to have all these really powerful friends and just say, yeah, I don't need your help. This is between Batman and I. You know, like, in real life, you'd be like, yes, come and help me, and let's get this guy, because he might blow us up and trap us in a basement, you know. <laughs> but in the comic book, you just say, no, I need to work this out myself. So um, I, the thing that I wondered, too, like, I, at first I forgot, like, who was calling, and I guess it's Batman who's calling. Is that correct? Uh, I, 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 thought I thought the same thing, so I always went with Batman calling. Okay. And then... um it's kind of a, I think Marv Wolfman didn't quite understand computer technology because he, Batman sends a message, like that's modem code or the thing, but then somehow that message turns into a disc later on, which actually, 20 years later, looks a lot like the little memory disks that you put in, in phones. Um, so he was ahead of his time, but I don't know how that screeching sound became a disc. So, you know, I, I think you just have to kind of like let that one go because the story's good. But did that... Am I missing something there, or is that just like a little computer gap here? I think that's the – I'm not exactly sure what this computer stuff is, so I think he just kind of rolled with it. I, that, okay. that one was kind of head-scratching myself, too. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> the other head-scratcher for me is, you know, I know most of the other su- superheroes can kind of, you know, get out of their superhero costume and wear, you know – their jeans and t-shirt, but Cyborg looks really funny in a white t-shirt and jeans, and, you know, <laughs> he still has the robotic. I'm like, you don't need to wear anything else your outfit. I mean, it's not like you're going to, you know, go into Sears and go buy a washer and dryer. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I think we know who you are. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. And then, of course, you know, uh, Starfire's in a bikini. So, <laughs> even 20 years ago, there, there she was. Yep. I, I think it's kind of funny that, you know, she's in a bikini here, and then her outfit is just, you know, maybe a, a one-piece bathing suit. So her, her street clothes revolve <laughs> yeah. around a two-piece, and then her superhero outfit is a one-piece. Uh, <laughs> Did you really need to change is the question. Yeah. Right. You know, kind of going through some of the Titans here. Donna Troy's uh, outfit, this was one outfit of hers I never liked at all. It just always seemed too busy with the gold boots, the gold gauntlets, and the black. It's was kind of like we're not exactly sure what we're doing uh, with her at all, and uh, it wasn't until you know probably in the last ten or twelve years that I actually realized that this was you know Wonder Girl. I, do they they refer to her as Wonder Girl? They're calling her Donna in this, I think. I'm not seeing that anywhere. I'm, I'm probably making a huge uh, mistake by saying that, but I, I don't think they refer to her as Wonder Girl in this anymore, and. Um, I, I did know who Speedy was. Speedy and Cyborg were the only two that I knew, but everybody else, um, 
I had no idea. Then you have you know the mute uh, Jericho, and seeing that he is uh, spelling Raven here with his hands. And uh, I remember uh, reading this issue, my mother looking over uh, my shoulder, uh, telling me it was time for dinner or supper or whatever it was, and. Uh, my mom's like, oh, they actually spelled that right. And I was like, oh. spelled what right? And she's like, that's the correct sign for, you know, the word Raven that he's uh, spelling there. So I thought that was really cool that they uh, did that, that it just wasn't um, – I didn't realize that that was actually sign language at the time. So I got a little lesson from my mother okay, cool. <laughs> with that part. Yeah, I have to say of all the Titans, I'm not a fan of any of these designs as – I've seen other designs of them, except I don't know if I've seen Jericho. I, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But, yeah, all of them I've seen better designs. Um, even some of them in Teen Titans Go look a little better than here. Uh, I do think it's cool that they signed um, correctly. That's pretty awesome, especially, you know, if somebody who is hearing impaired was reading the comic. I think that's, that would probably be cool um, for somebody to see. Um, but I, I, I also, I don't want to bash this comic because I like it. But when you read it a lot, it does. You can tell that they're trying to squeeze them in because it's their book, but right. it's, it's still not, you know, like it's not it's disrupting the flow. Because if there's all this worry about where's Dick, where's Dick, where's Dick, where is he, where is he, where is he, how can on page ten Raven find him so quickly? Boom, here, here he is. Like I, it just kind of like why didn't she just do that from the start? You know. So um, I, I guess maybe she could, and she was respecting his privacy, but then why would the other one go after him? So, I don't know. And then she has that micro disc. So, you know, I don't want to bash it. I understand what it is. It's their book. They're trying to put him in here. This didn't do anything that made me say, gosh, I got to I gotta keep reading. I, I got to know more about these guys. I got to get the back issues. I got to get that. But it didn't ruin the book so much where I'm like, oh, this is terrible. This is horrible. I can't read this. It's just kind of like, oh, okay, let's just Nick's got some friends. They're worried about them. They're probably not going to show up anymore in the story. Let's get the Batman and Tim Drake. So, and uh, we do have again here. Uh, not only does uh, Raven pull a disappearing act, <laughs> but uh, uh, Nightwing does it to Commissioner Gordon. I just think that they, you know, throw a little bit of humor in here. Is like Gordon saying, "Why do they keep doing that?" You know. Yeah. <laughs> like, there was a YouTube video of, uh, you know, kind of like the funnier side of Batman where he's trying to, you know, escape off of the rooftop and Gordon's like, oh, still see you. It's like, no, you don't. <laughs> yeah. You know, that whole type of thing. But I always thought that was just really kind of cool that um, even as a kid that, you know, Batman can just disappear and that you have, you know, uh, this Raven person that can just do it in a cloud of smoke. I always thought was, you know, pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And, and I have to admit, I, I've been guilty of doing that myself. You know, I'll be with, with a friend or something in the supermarket, and they start to walk down the aisle, and I just, like, hang back or something. I, I, I've i I've tried to pull the uh, – and on my wife, too. She's not too happy about that. But I've definitely tried to pull the Batman, Commissioner Gordon thing on people. And it, it is actually actually really fun when they when they continue the conversation and get halfway down the aisle and realize they're talking to themselves. You're, like, hiding behind some Doritos laughing. It, it's fun. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that every. That's why you said that. I'll do that to my wife every now and then, and she'll just yell from the other aisle. She's like, "I know you're over in the other aisle." Yeah, <laughs> I'll just kind of do the whole. No, I'm not. Yeah. She's like, "Will you go and at least go get some eggs or something?" Yeah, all right, yeah, that's yeah. fine. <laughs> like you said, I, I don't want to bash this uh, book either. I, 
it's good, uh, but I find the the conversation that Tim and Alfred are having that you know Tim's you know eating a, a sandwich in Wayne Manor. I would have thought there would have been you know some urgency on Tim's part to do something, but I think this is kind of Alfred uh, being able to kind of give some exposition to Tim as well of kind of what's going on with uh, why Dick is doing what he's doing. Excuse me, and where Bruce is at in his life, and uh, but it's, it's a little, it's a little slow right there. Um, I think we could have left that that scene out of the book. Um, I commented on this uh, on the year three that you know Batman has probably one of the coolest vehicles for a superhero, but uh, all that Nightwing can afford is this ugly white bike and this white <laughs> yeah <laughs> white I biker. That that was funny, yeah. So, uh, you know, I would think he would have some type of money, but uh, apparently not. I I love the page, uh, or the page, a uh, panel, uh, the big splash page on 17, where uh, Batman comes crashing in through a skylight, and uh, the really cool twist that happens in this book, where uh, Bruce is going in through the top of the building, or Batman's going to the top of the building, Nightwing's going to go into the bottom of the building, and the building is flipped on itself. Um, I thought that was uh, really pretty cool, and uh, how uh, Nightwing and Batman are trying to figure out uh, what's going on inside of this uh, building, and uh, the realization that what Two-Face is going to do uh, when he's referring to the top, he's actually referring to the bottom, and the trap that the two of them are finding themselves in. Um, and I think it leaves off on a really good uh, cliffhanger, and uh, where we get back down to the uh, Bat Cave, and uh, we have the last panel of the Robin costume kind of sitting there, where uh, Dick and, uh, excuse me, Tim and Alfred are kind of piecing this all together. Uh, how did you uh, feel about the end of this book? Yeah, I kind of, I, I really like the Batman and Nightwing um, sections. This makes up for any sins in the beginning, uh, especially. I, I kind of didn't like how Dick on that disc gets the information and he has to figure it out for himself and that all of Two-Face's crimes line up perfectly to make an I and a V when it's just, was it, one, two, three, four, five dots. You could have lined them up and drew lines anywhere, but you make a perfect four. It, it just seemed kind of a little hokey. And, and Batman, why would he do that? Why, why wouldn't you just tell him, meet me at this address? But you know what? All that is forgiven because the Batman scenes are awesome. Batman never smiles. He's grumpy. He's, he's, he's mean, drawn great. He, uh, I like how he even makes mistakes where he starts a conversation with Dick and he says, like, I need, I could use your help. Like, he, I, I like that. He's not perfect. It shows his humanity, but it shows him, like, trying to hide his humanity and cover it up. And um, he's very blue in this issue. You know, a lot of the later issues, he's very dark and gray and black and I kind of like the blue Batman, the throwback. It's pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, the whole, like, Two-Face building kind of had me going, even even reading it recently, like, what's going on here? It kind of had that mystery. Um, And then I like how uh, Dick signaled to Tim and Alfred that he's got that, you know, ace up his sleeve there to to let him know and kind of bring them into the story. And the whole Two-Face being like, oh, this is even better. I get to kill two birds with one stone. It, it, It fits the two. And, and explodes it and uh, leaves you right ready for number five and just that last panel with the the Robin costume and the R and we've got to do something. I mean, that's just perfect. That 
that forgives any disc going through modem sound or having to show every Titan to make sure they get in there or, you know, getting Nightwing there with the clues and all that. And that's all forgiven for this awesome, awesome, awesome ending. Uh, I love on uh, uh, 21, I uh, forgot to mention this, the uh, you talk about Batman not being perfect. What I would imagine hearing Dick's voice for however many years he was Robin, that he makes the slip of calling him almost saying Robin. It's kind of R-O-B-I is how it's in the book. And it quickly switches it you know, to Nightwing, Nightwing, as he's realizing you know, that Nightwing's in uh, danger uh, right at the moment. So, yeah, this this really had me chomping at the bit to run to the comic book stores, knowing that this is part four of five and what possibly you know, could be around the corner and, you know, what part is Tim going to play in all this. So I, I still think the Batman book was bi-monthly, but I think we were at the end of the month with 441, and I believe uh, the New Teen Titans. So you kind of got two books, actually three books that month. I think you got uh, 440, 441, and then 61, and then actually kind of had to wait, you know, uh, two weeks to get the uh, the next issue since it was kind of a, a bi-monthly book. But uh, I remember it feeling like an eternity to figure out what's going to uh, happen. And I started to kind of like the Nightwing character towards the end of this book. That I started thinking, okay, he's not going to be Robin, so he's going to be this Nightwing persona, and, you know, here comes this, you know, avalanche down on the top of him. So I was kind of starting to get invested into Dick Grayson's, you know, new persona at this. I was going to say, totally agree, totally awesome. And one one last thing I wanted to say, I do love the quote on page 12 where Alfred's talking about Bruce, and he says, I believe Master Bruce is almost as obsessed about family as he is about preventing crime. And when you think Bruce got involved in this because of his family, the murder of his parents, it's, it all revolved around the family. I can uh, agree all day long with this. Uh, it, it's just such a well-written story. Um, there are a couple ads that I did did want to point out here real quick. We'll kind of do the ads for the both, for the both, uh, for both of them real quick. Uh, going back to uh, 441, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Turtle cereal. Um, I was one of those that if I saw something like that, I had to have it, and uh, was always hoping it was going to be really good. And it usually tasted like crap, and uh, the cereal <laughs> yeah. did taste like crap. You know, the uh, marshmallows were green, and it turned the milk green. And my mom going, "You're not going to dump that milk down the sink. You're going to drink it." <laughs> but the milk's green. I don't want to. Yeah. Drink it. Don't think I ever had that one. And looking through it, I don't think I played any of the video games in this. And I did not have a Turbo Graphics 16, so this this didn't bring back too many fond memories for me. I did not have any of these games. No, I didn't either. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Ryan, he seemed to have all of these. Um, I remember uh, wanting to buy this uh, The Great Batman Deal special offer. Deduct $1 from each Batman and Detective subscription. I always wanted to do this was, you know, trying to convince my mom that like, I was going to save her money by, you don't, have to ta- you don't have to take me to the store to buy the comic books. They'll just mail them to me. I don't have to go along with you. Then I won't want to buy an action figure. I'll have the book, and that'll be great. So this is still intact in my book, which meant my mom... Uh, did not let me buy a <laughs> subscription. You, I've you uh, did the smart thing because I, I at time one time had a subscription and they would fold the books and they would all come all bent and jacked up from the post office. So uh, yeah, I, I I got a subscription and then would have to go to the comic book store and buy 
another Batman comic to have that one that wasn't folded and, you know, uh, messed up. If our uh, mailboxes uh, here in town is just this little teeny tiny box and no normal sized letter can ever fit in there. Everything is always rolled yeah. or or if it's if it comes in uh, something that's too big, you get a little, little yellow piece of paper that says package too big or I think it says package too big or fragile or can't be bent. So you'd have to go up and, uh, you know, turn in the little piece of paper and tell them what your box is. So uh, even now when I'm ordering stuff, I know that, all right, I'm going to get the little yellow card in there. So um, I always hated people sending photos in the mail that it, something's going to get rolled or ruined. So um, I'm glad I didn't. I had enough uh, drumming magazines that were constantly tore. So um, I guess they, uh, mom did me a favor by not having my comics uh, mailed to me. Yeah, uh, go- definitely. Going into Teen Titans 61, uh, Gotham by Gaslight, uh, an alternate history of the Batman. Uh, this is something that I know I've read, but I I can't remember much about it at all. It says in uh, 1888, a man known as Jack the River continues a series of brutal murders in West Chapel, London. He is a symbol of terror for men and women in London. He was never caught. No one ever knew what became of him until he came to Gotham City and found something even more terrifying than himself. Uh, have you read Gotham by Gaslight? Yeah, you know, and it was pretty good. It was actually like the first Elseworlds, and it was not labeled as Elseworlds, but then based on its success, they went back and relabeled that as an Elseworlds. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, it, it, I, I, I'd have to go back and reread it because it's been a long time. But I remember kind of liking it. And um, uh, I think it's like said, Gotham's kind of like London, Jack the Ripper time. A uh, little, little more low-tech Batman because he had no computers. But, um, yeah, I do remember that kind of kicking off the Elseworlds thing. And I, and I was a big fan of the Elseworlds. I was hitting... I was hit and miss with uh, some Elseworlds titles, um, and I always looked at the Dark Knight Returns as an Elseworlds title, and that's kind of one of those I've I've read it, but I know some people kind of say, you know, this is what you know changed Batman and brought him more serious, and I I will agree with that, but uh, that I think some people want to make that you know continuity, and I guess they're kind of doing that now in the New Fifty Two with trying to slip Carrie Kelly in there somewhere. But uh, Elseworld stories, I always just kind of was like, eh, it's 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 not in canon. Uh, some of them were kind of fun to read, and others were. Uh, um, after a while, I just I kind of stopped buying them because I thought, you know, I'm quote unquote wasting my money on a story that's you know not part of the main DCU, and I could be buying books that are in a continuing story. So after a while, I just I kind of stopped buying them because I I read too many that were kind of clunkers, so I kind of gave up on them after a while. They definitely got repetitive. That's for sure. Yes. Yeah. Uh, like the, the same themes, like oh, let's let's put them in outer space, and then everybody would be in outer space. And, oh, let, let's go back to the Stone Age. Then every, you know, single run of you know Green Lantern's in outer space, and then the Flash is in outer space. It's yeah. like all right, you're you're churning the same wheel over and over again, just yeah. with a different colored uh, costume. Hey, Rob, I gotta go. Uh, Terrence and I were just about done and uh, kind of getting ready to kind of do the whole uh, sign-off thing. Uh, 
Terrence uh, was kind of under a, a tornado warning as we were recording this. I'm in Ohio and he's in uh, South Carolina. Um, and a warning or watch, but he said it, it was enough that the power was starting to flicker. And uh, he said, you know, we probably should be wrapping this up. And we kind of uh, ended it abruptly. And we were, I was just about ready to kind of get into the end of it there. So, um, uh, his audio, at least on my portion, sounded a little funny. So hopefully uh, he was actually doing the recording this time around as my Skype recorder was being uncooperative. So it'll be kind of interesting once he sends me the file that uh, how the audio will sound. So I may have to do a little bit of tweaking, but hopefully uh, it's been enjoyable. We both have uh, thoroughly enjoyed uh, doing uh, this little series together for Lonely Place of Dying as we're uh, seeing Tim Drake make his first big appearance in uh, the continuity that was in the time of 1989. And we are one episode away from Tim putting on uh, a Robin costume for the very first time. So uh, he will be putting on uh, Jason Todd slash Dick Grayson's costume, the only time that he wears uh, that particular version of the costume. And uh, we'll, I'll save all my thoughts and feelings for that. It's, it's going to be a really cool episode. Uh, we uh, have been doing two books an episode um, I had been also wanting to do to uh, kind of wrap up A Lonely Place of Dying is uh, throw in uh, Batman 443, which is uh, two or three pages of Bruce and Tim talking kind of in the aftermath, and then the New Titans uh, 65, which is really kind of an epilogue. Uh, but we've decided to do for the next episode is just Batman 442. It's a, you know, uh, a monument uh, issue in the Batman universe as it's the first appearance of the third Robin. So uh, these two issues, it was really whetting the appetite uh, for uh, Tim Drake. And uh, Tim is such a well-rounded character in uh, in this whole entire series. Um, sometimes nowadays they'll kind of introduce a character and it kind of seems like they're trying to flush out the character as the story kind of progresses. And Tim comes in very strong and finishes strong through the whole book. And Tim is a complete, well-thought-out character. And uh, I said it uh, numerous times that uh, this is the book series that I take to people and say, when you want to know why does Batman need a Robin, this is why Batman needs a Robin and why Robin is so important. So I'm going to wrap it up right here and I'll be uh, kind of anticipating. Uh, hopefully everything is cool and fine with Terrence. I think he was just kind of, you know, not wanting to have the computer on if uh, you're going to lose power and uh, fry the computer or anything. So um, he'll send me the file and we will get this episode up. So thanks for listening to episode six of Robin. Everyone loves the Drake and my favorite Tim Drake story out there. A lonely place of dying. Thanks for listening. And, uh, we'll see you guys in a couple weeks. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. This has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all Batman-related characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for entertainment purposes, and I am making no money from it. Much to the displeasure of my wife. Sorry, babe. So no infringement is intended by this show. This also applies to all music and sound clips, as they have their own copyright holders as well. 
You can now find this podcast on iTunes and Windows Media as well. There you can rate and leave a comment to the show and subscribe. I hope that you do. You can also find me on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. You can send a message there as well. If you'd like to email, you can do so by sending me one at r10myers at yahoo.com. That's R as in Robin, 10myers at yahoo.com. And I'll read your emails on the air. Make sure that you head over to the batmanuniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thank you for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care.